You know, the World Health Organization says about 85% of all chronic degenerative diseases has its root in inflammation. So our job, even with food, is to decrease inflammation. Okay. You know, we want to decrease that by, like the things you were saying, don't eat foods in a box, right? Yeah. Reduce your sugar as much as possible. We eat way too much sugar, you know? Lots of things are going to help, but I would say um, checking the food sensitivities is, a, is right up there. Because if you don't know you have a sensitivity to lettuce and you're eating salads all day, you're causing inflammation to your body and you don't know that. Hello, my friend. Thank you for being here. And thank you for tuning in to the Ask Nurse Mary podcast sponsored by PowerlineHealth.com, where you can get herbs, supplements, and essential oils without quality products, without fillers. Today's episode is with Dr. Christopher Gross, and he is a chiropractor that also has close to 400 hours of training as a functional medicine doc. Throughout this whole video, he gives just tip after tip that you're going to be able to take home and use. He loves to work with people that are having thyroid issues. He spent a lot of extra time working with people that have thyroid issues and learning the details. He does sensitivity, food sensitivity testing. Well, and, and then just, just gems throughout. Toward the middle or end, you'll hear about things you can do for your own emotional health. And at the end, he gives us business tips that he's learned some the hard way. So without further ado, we'll get right to it. Hello, Dr. Gross. I'm so glad to have you on the Ask Nurse Mary podcast. And I understand that you're a chiropractor and you also do functional medicine. So can you explain to me how that is different than a regular chiropractor? Yes, I am a chiropractic physician. <clears throat> However, I've taken several uh, hundred hours, over 300, almost 400 hours in um, additional training for functional medicine. The actual term is I'm a board eligible chiropractic internist. So um, that just means that, like I said, I've taken several hundred hours of training in functional medicine to try to figure out what it is at the root cause of people's issues instead of just covering it up with medication or supplements. Okay. So I'm a big fan of Dr. Hyman. Have you heard of him? Oh, yeah. He is the director of the Institute of Functional Medicine. Okay. I'm not part of that group, although at some point in the future I'd like to be. Well, he has a podcast. It's the Doctor's Pharmacy, spelled with an F for right. pharmacy. And he interviews farmers. I mean, he is a huge believer in getting down to that grassroots. And nutrition is the basis for so much of our illness. Absolutely. So you are the owner and operator of Ozark Functional Wellness? Yes. Okay. What part of your business do you love the most? How do you like to help your, your clients the most? My favorite part of my job is being a health detective. You know, working with the patient from, you know, trying to get to the bottom or in functional medicine, we like to say to get to the root cause of their, you know, chronic or their health concerns. It's kind of like a, a patient, you know, they come in with, you know, they're, they've got brain fog and they, uh, they can't lose weight. They're fatigued all the time. They have insomnia. They're losing their hair. 
And so what I do is I, you know, I have them come in for an initial history. So we talk about what's going on, what's been going on, not just currently, but all of their life. Because I want to get as much information on that as I can. And then what we do with that is, um, you know, with the information I gather, also I'm doing a full physical exam. I'm going from the hair all the way down to the toenails. So I'm looking inside your mouth, looking at your tongue. So imagine someone came in with all those symptoms and I look at them and I see that their tongue is fasciculating or it's kind of like quivering. And that's different most movement of the tongue just kind of moving around. It's just like a vibration. Okay. When I see that, that makes me think of a blood dysregulation or maybe an adrenal issue, right? Okay. And I'm combining all of these little symptoms, you know, like if they have a thyroid, they might have that lateral third of their eyebrow just kind of thinning out. Mm. Or, you know, they might have a, a, you know, like some swelling down in their thyroid. So I'm looking at all of these little things, like if they have little skin tags on their neck, might be something like a, a blood sugar issue. So as I'm going through that and I order labs, the labs come back and they have a high cholesterol and high triglycerides, but they're about one-to-one. -one. That's another sign of insulin resistance, which is a blood sugar issue, right? So we're starting to put a picture together with that patient, and I love it when I can actually do that for them because they begin to see hope, right? They're like, wow, someone's actually trying to figure all this out and putting all the things together and coming up with the patterns. And so that's what I really get excited about. Um, it's the most satisfying thing is to connect the dots for the patient. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. So I'm sure you're doing extensive health histories with people and mm -hmm. really going back to probably food and even some genetic things that are different from family to family. I don't, my practice is not focused on genetics. I mean, it plays I, a part, but, you know, genetics in general, um, there's this whole field of um, genetics called epigenetics we're aware of that even though we have these predispositions to have the gene of diabetes or whatever that is, um, epigenetics says that um, we can actually turn on or off the expression of those genes okay. depending on your environment. So you can change your environment and change those things. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge believer. And and several of the symptoms you first explained, they sounded like adrenal issues to me. And yeah. it sounds like that's something you kind of like to specialize in anyways. I actually specialize in um, thyroid conditions and Hashimoto's specifically, which is an autoimmune to the thyroid. Is Hashimoto's hyper or hypothyroid issue? Actually, it's crazy because it can be both. It's okay. typically but it's confusing to clinicians because... Um, it's an autoimmune disorder. It's an autoimmune that attacks the thyroid. doesn't mean it's a thyroid problem. But you'll get symptoms of low thyroid and high thyroid. So you may have a problem gaining, I mean, um, gaining weight. You can't lose the weight. Might be fatigued. But you also might have heart palpitations or, you know, racing heart. Um, so you could have a little bit of both because of the immune system is actually flaring up and causing some of those um, hormones to flood the system all of a sudden. So you might get a little bit of both but it's literally tearing up the thyroid and actually breaking it down. So that's why you're getting more of the hypothyroidism. 90% of all hypothyroidism is actually Hashimoto's and it's just undiagnosed. It's very um, mismanaged, I would say, in the convention just because there's not really a lot that they can do for it other than, you know, levothyroxine or they're doing some kind of medication for the thyroid hormone. 
but they're not addressing the uh, immune system part of it. So do you feel like for thyroid issues that getting off of processed food, putting really nutritious foods and greens and maybe some pasture-raised meats and those types of things or wild meat, um, like game meat, those things are going to help your body are some of the ground floor things to do for your body or is there some tips you can give people that will help them in their everyday life? Yeah, really the, um, <laughs> with, with food that all the things that you said is going to help everyone, you know, Absolutely agree. Um, yeah. one of the things that we do in my office is we do food sensitivity testing. Okay. Um, so you could be sensitive to a food and not even know it because it's not like a food allergy. A food allergy is very, you know, Pretty quick to find out so it causes a histamine reaction so you're actually going to get itchy hives your throat may close up you know you could die <laughs> so i think from you know just getting welts or hives on you which would be very mild or like an itchiness in your throat mm -hmm. but you're going to know fairly soon within an hour or so of after eating that food a lot of people think well i don't have a food sensitivity because you know i didn't have that problem you know it could have been the food that you ate four days ago you could have eaten cauliflower three or four days ago, and now you have a headache. And that list is not gastrointestinal. It's not just hives. It can be all kinds of different symptoms. It can be mm -hmm. headaches. It can be, you know, achy joints. So if my fiance has Hashimoto's, if she has gluten at all, she gets flu-like symptoms, which is very different than what you would think of a celiac disease. You know, you're running to the bathroom. That's not really what we're looking for. Uh, we're looking for, it's, it's a different test. It's an IgG test instead of an IgE. IgE being your, your typical um, allergy test, right? That's usually when they prick you and, you know, they're check, checking your skin. Um, IgG is a, is a different part of the immune system that is actually um, a delayed hypersensitivity to a food. Okay. So we do, we do a lot of that testing in the office just to see what foods you're sensitive to, which is causing inflammation. You know, the World Health Organization says about 85% of all chronic degenerative diseases has its root in inflammation. So our job, even with food, is to decrease inflammation. Okay. You know, we want to decrease that by, like the things you were saying, don't eat foods in a box, right? Yeah. Reduce your sugar as much as possible. We eat way too much sugar, you know? Um, lots of things are going to help, but I would say um, checking the food sensitivities is, a, is right up there. Because if you don't know you have a sensitivity to lettuce and you're eating salads all day, mm -hmm. you're causing inflammation to your body. You don't know that. Okay. That's a good test. Um, if you want to know more about that, you can go to SpringfieldThyroidSolutions.com. That's my website for that okay. uh, specifically. Okay. And then um, another thing um, as far as like to help people um, exercise, lowering inflammation it's really important not to work out for an hour. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you're working out more than really 30 minutes, you're starting to create inflammation, right? Yeah. Um, I recommend more like the short burst interval or the H, you know, the high intensity interval training. Okay. Um, doing that at, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day is going to actually, it's going to help you with your insulin resistance issues. You know, it's going to help you increase your metabolism throughout the day. Um, it's much better for you than really, really long workouts because it causes inflammation, and we want to avoid that. Okay. Um, have you ever heard of emotional freedom to stress? Emotional freedom, what was that? 
technique? No, I haven't. I mean, not specifically as a technique. Right. It's something I use a lot in my office for stress issues. Um, it's, it's based on emotions. It's kind of like tapping. So you, you tap certain points. Oh, okay. You're familiar with that? So it's tapping. But it's called emotional freedom technique. And it's really great for someone who has um, issues with, you know, like stress or, you know, specifically anger or even cravings. And you can find YouTube videos, just put in EFT or emotional freedom technique and whatever the emotion is. So the emotion might be, like I said, anger, cravings, um, disgust, could be anything. Those can lead back to sensitivities in the body and inflammation. It, well, it can lead to stress if you're not, the idea is to decrease the, the emotional stress, right? So whatever is causing the anxiety or, or whatever that emotion is, if we can diffuse that emotion, we're going to lower the amount of stress, which lowers cortisol, which lowers inflammation. So it's kind of a roundabout thing, but we want to decrease our stress. You know, and we're not going to completely get rid of our stress. Yeah, we still want to be able to run from that tiger when he chases right. it. Right. That's called <laughs> stress, right? Our body doesn't. I was reading an article from, her last name is Gilbert, um, and she was talking about, you know, our body doesn't necessarily know we're not being chased by a, a tiger when, when we're under stress. And so it just keeps putting out all these stress hormones. And, and so it's our body. So it's our job to say, hey, chill. <laughs> and, what, and what are those stress hormones doing? I mean, cortisol, its ma major three jobs are to raise your blood pressure, raise your pressure, and to lower your immune system. Uh, so think about that if you have chronic stress you're creating all of these problems chronically right nice. so um and think about that we need cortisol in the morning right we need that to wake up we need blood pressure to come up so we have oxygen in our brain we need our blood sugar to come up so we have sugar so that we can wake up right yeah so and we don't need to be working on our immune system at that point right that's that's the whole thing about the tiger chasing you you can lick your wounds later we need must you know our blood flow to, to our muscles so we can fight or fly Right, fleet. Yeah. Right. So, um, melatonin, on the other hand, is the opposite of that. So, at night, you know how kids have fevers at night, or they're, you know, they. F it seems like they're doing worse. It's just that their immune system's kicked on because the melatonin has has come up, and okay. that's the opposite of your cortisol should be, you know, higher in the morning and lower at night, assuming you have a good circadian rhythm and everything's working well. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, thyroid, especially adrenal issues, will affect that circadian rhythm. Oh, yeah. So if I understand you right, um, we need to work on bringing down our inflammatory markers. Now, if a person kind of gets that handled, would they be able to eat on occasion those foods that they used to be sensitive to, or will they outgrow some of those sensitivities if they eat, you know, good for the most part i mean isn't that kind of what our body is good at is managing stressors or it depends okay it's kind of like having a lot of rocks in a bucket you know and you can not put a whole lot more in it if it's full so if you take some of those stressors out you can handle some of those other stresses like some of the foods if you have hashimoto's and you're eating gluten no that's way. Not something you're going to get back Interesting. Now, if you're sensitive to like cilantro, you know, or something like that, those are foods that usually come back within, you know, a few months. You can probably try them again. 
Um, but if it's one of the major ones, like your glutens, your dairy, corn, eggs, you don't usually get those back. Mm -hmm. So it's just because your body doesn't handle those well. And gluten specifically with Hashimoto's, gluten is something called molecular mimicry, where the molecule of gluten is so similar to the structure of the thyroid gland or one of the cells in the thyroid gland that if you're sensitive to the gluten, mm -hmm. it will attack. And if you eat it, it will attack the thyroid because it thinks it's attacking the gluten. Okay. So that's called molecular mimicry. You're not going to have broken out. Uh -huh. No, you're not going to outgrow that. So some of you, I believe as Americans that we, um, in order to get healthy, we need to move more, eat better, and manage our stress. And that's kind of what we've been talking about. So right. I don't know if you would have anything more you want to add to that. No, that was um, actually the notes that I wrote down for that, <laughs> for <laughs> that question. Moving more, of course, you know, the, High intensity interval training. Um, That's better, yeah. Get the kids off the electronics. Get them outside doing something. Yeah. Get them outside trying something new. You know. All of us. <laughs> yeah, not just the kids. Yeah. All yeah. of us. Played around with grounding. That's one of the ones I I was listening to someone, Dr. Hyman, interviewed, and they were talking about how important grounding is, and even especially for kids. Yeah. Getting outside. Just get out with a with nature. You know, you want to get out there and actually, you know, connect with nature. Mm -hmm. You've got all those negative ions and all that good stuff that's out there. And plus, you know, you want to get all that the good bacteria that's on everything because that's what's going to help you with your immune system. Yes. In, including foods. You know, if we're thinking about foods, we want to make sure we're eating sauerkrauts and, and things that have those good probiotics in them and uh, the research is saying that we're really not getting enough even from our food with all of the other crap that we're you know having to deal with all the antibiotics and everything mm -hmm. um, if you were a cesarean birth if you were because if you were a cesarean you didn't get the vaginal um, bacteria as you're coming out of the birth canal yes you know, so and that's the seed of your bacteria or of your probiotic probiotics of your microbiota right Microbiome, with yeah. bacteria in your gut and so, yeah. and when you take back uh, probiotics, you're not, those don't stick around, you know, mm -hmm. so they're transient, they go through, but they're very helpful. So probiotics are really important. Yeah, I mean, years ago, and even in my own childhood, I remember making crocks of vegetables, not just, not just sauerkraut, but we would make pickled uh, all kinds of vegetables and yeah. uh, in our, in our crocks and stick it in the pump house. And, you know, people had some kind of fermented food, whether it was pickles fermented or mm. kombucha or yogurts, something like that nearly every day of their life. And now it's, it's an unusual, you know, and our taste buds don't even necessarily like it. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we've got to change our taste buds. I, I, since the first of the year, I have only had sugar a few times, and it's changed my taste buds. I enjoy things that just don't have to be sweet like they used to. So. But it's I definitely a learned thing. Sugar is so, so addictive. It's, in rat studies, it's more addictive than cocaine. Than cocaine. Absolutely. It's scary. That it is scary. And, you know, it, it lowers our immune system. It increases inflammation. It's awful for you, but it tastes great. 
And that's, you know, back in the day when we didn't have sugar in plenty, you know, we wanted, our taste buds were, de uh, were designed to find that because we needed a little bit of sweet out of certain things, you know. Um, it's just, a, you know, over the years, now we, what is it, about 52 pounds of sugar per person a year? Yeah. It's, something, it's something around there. That is awful when it used to be about a tablespoon yeah. a year, you know. Yeah. So. yeah. It, I understand you're a business owner. So mm -hmm. if you could give somebody advice that's starting out, or maybe what advice would look like to yourself maybe five years ago as you were getting started, what kind of things could you help our listeners? Because many of them are going to be small business owners as right. well. Right. I would say the very first thing you want to do is to join a networking group as soon as possible. You know, you want to get, you can't help people if they don't know where you are or what you do. So the biggest advice I can give someone starting out new is just get out and talk to people, um, especially groups. If you do what I do, I think the biggest thing is to do some kind of talk every so often. <laughs> every month or so so that people you know invite people through Facebook or whatever so that they understand what you what services you provide and what you can do to help them awesome yeah the it, biggest it, thing is joining a networking group okay yeah it is really about the people we spend too much time on the computer and on the yeah we need to learn to interact with real people again that's true yeah. how about your favorite books or podcasts I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, which is kind of weird since we're on a podcast, but um, I'm a big nerd. So I spend a lot of time reading about health topics. You know, I read lots of books. Uh, some of my favorite books are, you know, of course, Isabella Wentz is a, um, she's a PhD. She's big into Hashimoto's. Okay. Uh, she basically Hashimoto's. And so she has several books out. Um, Amy Myers, The Thyroid Connection is really nice. Uh, I like that book. Really spend more time listening to like lectures and things in my car than podcasts, just because I've gone through so much training. It's it's just what I like to listen to. I just got Doctor uh, was it Marissa Marissa Snyder. Marissa, I recognize that one. Uh, she's got a book called The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, which is a really oh, interesting. Oh, cool! That would be interesting. Just got it in today and started reading. It's really interesting. And then also, I just got another book. Like, I just got another book in today on hair tissue mineral analysis because I'm a nerd, right? <laughs> Definitely, so. you're a nerd. Anna sounds like a bit of a numbers man, huh? <laughs> well, not so much in numbers. I just, I like to see how everything connects, you know. See progress. Um, yeah. Right. I want to I know, like, the hair mineral analysis is really difficult to understand. It's okay. not... It's not what you would think. So you get to test back and, you know, the calcium is low or, you know, you have high, you know, potassium or whatever, you know, you don't just give them more calcium and try to take foods away that are high in potassium. It's a whole, you have to really understand it. So we're looking through all kinds of patterns for oxidative stress and all of these different things. So if you don't know how to read it, you can mess somebody up because you're not doing, you don't, you don't read it as it is. You have to interpret it. Oxidative stress, yes. I have been learning about the mitochondria. And mm -hmm. it's fascinating to me because they're actually little, if you want to call it, external beings that live within us. And, and uh, we need to keep those critters happy and healthy so that they can do their work in our body. 
it's pretty and, infl and inflammation is not good for mitochondria. Yeah, yeah. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah, um, Dr. Hyman talks about resveratrol and CoQ10. I mm -hmm. also work with a doc in um, Texas. His name is Dr. Jerry Peterman, and he is big on mitochondria and, and mm -hmm. supporting those. So. But anyways, so do you have any other parting words of wisdom for our, our listeners? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's enough things in life that cause stress. You know, stress is always going to be there. It's just really how we perceive that stress that, stress that matters. We can have good stress and bad stress like we talked about before, you know, that's called eustress, which is a good stress. Um, the tiger behind you is really a good stress because it's, you know, getting you out of the way. Uh, it's giving you that energy you need. But, you know, over time, you know, being late for work, all of the other, you know, deadlines that you have, those are bad stressors because they happen all the time and they keep that chronic stress. So really what I'd like for everyone to try is to create a habit of every morning when you wake up to just think about three things you're grateful for. It sets the tone for the day. It, um, I mean, even in challenging situations, there's something to be grateful for. You know, you just have to look for it. Train yourself to find it. It really changed your life. Um, there's this part in your brain called the reticular activating system. Are you familiar with that? I've heard just a little bit. It helps you connect things. So it's, it, if you imagine that you just bought a new car, Okay. You bought a new car, and you've never seen that car before. You're like, this is the most beautiful car I've ever seen. Okay. And you buy the car, you drive it off a lot, and you see 12 of them going home, you know. Yeah. Well, the reticular activating system actually helps you do that. So it helps you find things. All you have to do is put it in the place that, you know, you need to give it a task. What do I need to look for? And so um, you've heard of affirmations, right? Yes, and looking for the positives in your life. and Right. Well, affirmations are really more of a statement. I am healthy, I am happy, I am rich, right? right. But there's, there's something called a belief gap. So there's this place where, with affirmations where, you, where it's like, yeah, but I don't really see that right now. So it's really hard for me to imagine that, keep that in my dominant thought, right? So something that similar to affirmations, but I think works better is something called an affirmation. Have you heard of that? Say that again, a what? An affirmation instead of an affirm. It's to form. Book by, uh, I've heard of this. Only right. So, so what an affirmation is, is really more of a question. So we're putting the question instead of trying to make the statement. So we're saying, why am I getting healthier? Why am I, how am I getting so healthy? You know, or why am I always at the right time at the right place? You know, or however that goes, at the right place at the right time. So what you're doing is you're putting a question in place the reticular activating system in your brain is going, okay, I, I've got a question I need to answer. And so it'll find all these little, you know, answers for you throughout the day and it'll pop up. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's so much easier than you saying, I'm in the right place at the right time, or I'm always, you know, as you're creating that statement as that affirmation, it's very difficult for us to believe that sometimes. So the question kind of bypasses, kind of like a, a hack, right? It's like a bio hack. Awesome. So just asking that question is very important. So really uh, my statement or what I would say is that, uh, you know, much like starting out your day with the three things you're grateful for, brain just starts to see things that uh, it'll just kind of show up, you know, the things that you're asking about. It'll just kind of show up and say, hey, 
this is why you're getting healthier. This is, you know, it'll give you examples. So it's really where you put your focus. You know, it's really important to figure out where your focus should be, you know, and what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, stress is always going to be there. So focus on what you're grateful for. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Agree. Focus on what you're grateful for, being grateful. And even um, planning ahead uh, of the things you want to do the next day and that you're excited to get up and do tomorrow morning. It'll be easier to get up in the morning just planning those up before you close your eyes at night. Yep. I have a few things on sleep if you have time. I'm not sure if you have time. Well, um, we have about another 10 minutes. Oh, perfect. So I want to talk to, to you a little bit about how sleep is really, really important. Okay. Um, you know, if you're not getting good restorative sleep, then um, you're not, your body's just not healing at its full capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, some sleep tips that I can offer are setting a routine. You know, some, something like a ritual for going to bed brushing your teeth, washing your face, you know, getting off your electronics at least an hour before bed because we want to avoid that blue light before bed. Because blue light, I don't know if you know this, but blue light actually shuts down melatonin production. And as we said before, that's what helps you go to sleep. And it also brings up your immune system, right? So we want to balance out the immune system. So getting off of blue lights, but that also means things like, you know, your nightlight. You don't want your nightlight to be a white spectrum, which has blue in it. Okay. So you might want to use something like what I like to use or what I tell my patients to use is one of those salt lamps, like the orange or red salt lamps. Oh, yeah. But that gives off, it's kind of like fire at night. You can have a fire on and that doesn't shut down your melatonin, but sunlight does because it has that full spectrum, right? So we want to get rid of any um, electronic devices, especially like alarm clocks or things like that, that have that blue light or the green light even. Okay. okay. So that's one thing. Um, of course, you know, some people, um, like to listen to music before they go to bed or as they're going to sleep. I don't like that, but my fiance loves it. So some, some really good music for that is called neuroacoustic music. Um, and what it does is it entrains the brain into a specific brainwave pattern. Uh, for sleep, we want that to be a Delta brainwave pattern. Okay. So I recommend Dr. Jeffrey Thompson has some really good stuff. You can find it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, I looked at it today just to see. Um, His is called the Delta Sleep System, and that's from that Delta brainwave pattern. Mm -hmm. So what you're wanting to do is to get in the same brainwave pattern of sleep, basically. Okay. Um, If you were doing something like meditation, you might want to be a theta wave, so you'd want to look for music like that with a background. Pulses, you don't really hear it. It's it's embedded in the music, but it's really cool. Um, Essential oils for sleeping. Um, you can add some lavender um, or some clary sage, maybe even to your pillow or to your feet. Bottom of your feet is a good place to put it. Um, the lavender is very calming, kind of melts the tension and anxiety. Clary sage is actually helps the mental chatter. You know, like you just have all this chatter in the background. That kind of, that's a helpful tip just to help you go to sleep a little more relaxed. And um, if you'll get into that pattern of, of having a ritual, then your body goes, oh, yeah, it's time for sleep. So it starts kind of getting you into that mode of slowing you down. Mm -hmm. So those are some of my tips for sleep. Sleep is so important, and it seems to be not just for me, but for a lot of of maybe my age women, middle-aged women, as soon as you have an imbalance in thyroid or, or adrenal, 
mm-hmm. sleep in, interruption is it's frustrating because yeah. at the end of the day you might be tired and go to sleep in the chair till 10 o'clock at night and then can't go to bed can't sleep after that and it's frustrating but you know I do do a lot of prayer and meditation seems to be the best solution. (laughs) Um, But I've heard of that music. I just never really, uh, again, it's just one of those things I haven't tried out. So that'd be a great, a great tool for our listeners. It works well for some. What was that? It works well for some. Yeah. It doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. And, And again, if blood sugar is your issue, adrenals are your issue, thyroid's your issue, or you've got a chronic infection, or you've got something, you know, like a hidden infection, or you've got something going on that's causing inflammation, it's going to cause inflammation in your brain as well. And so that is a difficult problem to deal with if you don't know what the problem is. That's why we want to get to the root cause, because it may not just be these simple solutions. You may actually have to really figure out, you know, do a uh, blood sugar boot camp, right? You may actually have to get your blood sugar stable before some of these other things get better. So if you have blood sugar issues, just as an example, okay. it's going to affect your adrenals. It's going to affect your thyroid. Okay. Right? And we can backtrack that to your gut. If you have gut issues, <laughs> that can cause blood sugar issues. That can cause adrenal. So we really need to just figure out what it is specifically for each person because everybody's different. You know, I, I can see, I can have three diabetic patients have a different reason. Usually it's because of the food they eat. Right. That's the first thing we we take care of, you know, but sometimes it's a chronic infection. Sometimes it's anemia. Sometimes it's liver congestion. You just really have to look for every single patient Mm -hmm. and be a health detective, figure out what that is, you know, right. Yeah. So I've heard of some things like not eating um, three hours before bedtime as a way for your body to kind of burn through whatever carbohydrates are around. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that you recommend to your. I only recommend that to people that are not hypoglycemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're hypoglycemic, it's very difficult for you to go long periods of time without eating. Um, okay. So as you're trying to get the blood sugar balanced in the beginning, you're going to have to have like those six small meals. You know, you'll want to eat when you first wake up after 30 minutes of whatever, you know, most people I'll do intermittent fasting with. You know, I'll have them eat with an eight-hour window, and then for 16 hours, they're not eating at all, and they get to choose where that window is. But, you know, hypoglycemics, we can't do that with them. Yeah. You have to even eat toward the end of the night, eat something with a little bit of fat and protein to kind of keep them from crashing. Because oftentimes with hypoglycemia, you'll wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning, every morning almost, and it's almost in a panic. Well, that means that your blood sugar is just tanked. And then you're waking up in a panic because you're having an adrenaline rush and a cortisol rush, and it's telling your liver to make more sugar so you can, you know, not die. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, you think it's something it's not. So, so, so they can go to your website and get some information. Why don't you tell them the best places for them to find you, or is there like a health history that they can go and? Start before they come for an appointment. Any any tools right. that you can give people. Right. So um, if you'll go to that website, and again, that's SpringfieldThyroidSolutions.com. Solutions with an S at the end. Okay. Uh, solutions.com. Um, if you'll go there, you can get a free consultation. You can just sign up for a free consultation. 
Okay. And once you contact me, then I send you an email with all of the intake forms and all of the okay. you know, metabolic assessment forms and all the nutrient nutrition um, assessment forms. Okay. I'll send that to you through an email before we actually meet. Okay. Well, then and I usually like them to bring their labs with them. Okay. Um, and my phone number. Right. Any labs that they've already had done, even if it's a year or two old, because oftentimes people haven't had any recent labs and they'll, you know, right. but it still gives me history on what's been going on with me, even though it's not accurate at the moment. Okay. So uh, my phone number is area code 417. Okay. 227-0737. Okay. Sounds good. Right. <laughs> All right. And um, yeah, and you can find me at either um, com or again at uh, com. Sounds good. I'll make sure there's links to that in the in the notes below. And um, I certainly appreciate you. And um, I didn't know if you had any personal stories that would our readers could connect with, either through people that have come to see you or your own personal experience that brought you to this space. Right. Um, I actually didn't grow up um, in a healthy family. Okay. You know, my, my family never went to the doctor. We never, um, I mean, we just didn't go uh, for anything, not even chiropractic. I didn't know about chiropractic until I was well into my, you know, upper teens, early 20s. Okay. So um, I kind of got into this game late. <laughs> so I didn't know a whole lot about health. I first became a massage therapist for, you know, I was a massage therapist for about 16 years. Oh, wow. I did hypnotherapy for two and a half years, somewhere in there. Oh, wow. um, I've done lots of different things. So when I went to chiropractic school, I wanted to be a naturopathic physician, but I lived in Arkansas and that didn't really work because they didn't have a licensed profession. I couldn't actually become a naturopathic physician there, oh, wow. um, or at least not legally. Right. Um, so I went to chiropractic. I was good with my hands. I liked the principles. I studied, I thought about, you know, osteopathic medicine. I thought about chiropractic. I thought about all the different modalities, not modalities, but different healing professions. And I chose chiropractic because I really liked the principles behind it. And then as I was in school, I was learning more about functional medicine. Okay. And then, you know, my fiance actually has Hashimoto's. Okay. So that's a big driver for why I'm focused on Hashimoto's. And so really for me, it's all about trying to get you know, you, you always want to treat everyone as if they were your family, right? So if you're my mother, you're my sister, you know, or my cousin, I'm going to actually treat you the best that I possibly can, try to really find out what the root cause is, as cheap as possible. Functional medicine is not cheap, you know, it's, but in the long run, it's cheaper than going to medical doctors over and over and over and not finding the answer that you're looking for mm -hmm. and suffering for years yes. for, you know, something that we could have maybe taken care of within six months. Right. You know. yeah. Um, but yeah, what really started me on the path of thyroid, though, was definitely my fiance. Okay. Um, she's doing much better now. She had the big round, what we call a gluten face. Okay. When I first met her, got her, I didn't get her off gluten. I sent her to my mentor because she didn't listen to me when I told her to get off gluten. <laughs> That's how it is. Oh, yeah, right. Right. You know, but, uh, yeah. right. So, so we've done lots of things with her and she's doing much better. I mean, her, she's got this nice thin face where she doesn't have the swelling in her face. She doesn't, she used to get migraines 
all the time. She doesn't yeah. get as many migraines. Um, you know, all of those hypothyroid symptoms have gotten much better. That's so, awesome. So, you know, a lot of it's food sensitivity. She's sensitive to a lot of foods. If she eats any cilantro, she's got a severe migraine. Wow. Um, so, well, the thyroid is Hashimoto's, you were saying, it destroys the thyroid. Will it repair itself to a degree once you it, once things are leveled out? It depends. Okay. In chiropractic, there's a principle that says matter has limitation, right? So okay. if the thyroid is completely destroyed, no, you're not going to recreate it. But if there's still enough tissue there and you stop the storm from happening, then, yeah, the body can, re, you know, can regenerate itself to a point. Okay. Um, but the problem is most people don't even know they have Hashimoto's. Most people, you know, they know they have thyroid symptoms, but they go to their medical doctor and they run a TSH. And the TSH is that one analyte that they use to decide if that person has a thyroid problem or not. Well, that's flawed in that in another podcast, but, you know, just running one lab to find out if you have a thyroid issue is not enough. Yeah. In our office, we run a TSH, a free T4, a free T3, a reverse T3, and then antibodies to the thyroid to see if you have motives. We want to know if your T4, which is inactive, to your T3, which is the active hormone, you know, that's the one that's made in mostly your liver and some of the target tissues but it's not made out in circulation. So it's a different test. We need to actually see if you're actually converting your T4 to T3. Because if you're not, that could, you know, you might have a selenium deficiency. You might have a magnesium deficiency. Could some B, could be some B vitamins, whatever. It's specific to each person. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to know what's causing the thyroid issues and not just, oh, I have, you know, a high TSH. Well, that tells us a very little piece of the information. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It does make sense. Well, I appreciate your time, and I'm sure our listeners will love this. We'll put links down to these things you've referred to. And thank you again, Dr. Gross, for being with us. You're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you.